Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time we have together. I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you're using me to, to encourage them through your word, through your scriptures. Lord, give me boldness to say what you'd have me to say. Lord, my prayer is that you would light a fire in the hearts of the hearers today, that they would become amazing inviters. Lord, we understand the power of the invitation uh, uh, to, from one person to another. And today I ask you that you, you bring that back to our reminder of our role as inviters within the body. So I ask you to give them ears to hear, hearts to receive. Lord, bless us today only, only the way that you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been thinking a lot about invitations. Easter's coming up, and I'm, I'm praying that you're going to invite somebody. I've been thinking about different invitations that I've been given over the years. And I'm sure if you thought about the different invitations that you've had over the years, man, you've had some, probably some great memories. I've had invitations uh, that were huge, just like, whoa, you want me to come and do what? And then I've had invitations that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. I think about some of the invitations in my life that, that have spoken to me. Uh, obviously, ministry is, is who we are. I've had the invitation to speak on some amazing stages around the world and present the gospel to people for the very first time. Man, that was a great invitation. In 2009, I was invited to go uh, back to the Philippines where I had been working for a couple years with some organizations. And I was invited to bring 50 students to the island of Mindanao and to go into the public schools and preach Jesus for the very first time. They had never allowed somebody to come in and preach Jesus. And I stood before crowds of tens of thousands of students at one time. Man, I was honored to have that invitation. I was thinking about invitations to play golf. I love golf. Any other golfers in the room or online? Just me and Pastor Mo. But I, I bet there's Pastor Tom back there. I, I've, I've been honored and invited to play several PGA courses. Not because I'm that good, but because somebody liked me. And I think back on those times where I was invited to go do these cool events. I have a good friend. He's a singer-songwriter out of Nashville, Tennessee. And a few years back, he invited me to go to Stagecoach, which is the largest country music festival in the United States. I was so pumped. He was playing with an amazing band. And he said, man, you should come. You might meet some cool people. And I'll be honest with you, as the day approached, I thought, it sounds great and I should go, but I don't want to go. It's my buddy. I should. I should go support him. But for whatever reason, that day, I just didn't want to go. And so I gave my invitation to my brother and a friend of his, and they went to stagecoach, and, and he came back that night. He had this wristband on. I said, what's the wristband for? He said, well, well that gets you in the festival. And then he said, check this out. He said, I got an all-access badge. He said, dude, I got to go backstage. And he mentioned every country artist that we've ever known and idolized in our life. He's like, I met them. I shook their hand, and I was like, man, I should have never passed on that invitation. <laughs> like, if that guy calls me again, I'm I'm going. You know, invitations come in all sizes and forms. There's informal invitations, like Pastor Mo texted me this week. He said, hey, we should get our golf clubs ready. We need to play some golf soon. And I responded, I'll take you up on that invite. I would love to go. I think about Evites. Anybody ever get an Evite? Evites are great because it comes straight to your email, and then you can look at the list of who else is going, and you can decide if you want to go or not. <laughs> Don't look at me that way. You know you do it. You're like, well, let's... Before we commit, honey, let's see who's going to be there. And then, and then there's this formal invites. 
you know, to big, big important things, and they usually come in the mail. It's usually on cardstock, and it's, it's got this beautiful calligraphy, and they use words like, we would, we would love your presence at our such and such event. And, and invitations are awesome because what? They, they make you feel like you matter. The invite makes you feel special. An invitation does this. It says, you're included. We want you to join us. Today, I want to launch a new series for the next four weeks called The Power of the Invite. Would you say that with me? There's power. Say this with me. There's power in an invitation. For the next four weeks, I want to not only talk about the power of invitation, but I want to release you to be the greatest inviters that IFC has ever had. In four weeks, we're going to have Easter Sunday. We're going to celebrate the death, the burial, and most importantly, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our Super Bowl. This is the day that that we look forward to all year long as believers because this establishes who we are. It gives validation to why we gather because Jesus ain't dead. He's alive. Our God isn't in some tomb somewhere. He's not somewhere on a poster. He's alive in our hearts. And so I'm looking forward to Easter. But before that, I want to give you some tools and resources that you could become a great inviter. Jesus, to me, was the greatest inviter of all time. He was the greatest inviter of humanity that's ever walked the earth and ever will. He was always on the lookout for people. He was always seeking and searching out people to give them a new perspective on what life really meant to be. He was always seeking people to invite them to step into a life that they didn't even know was possible. I like to think about Jesus as the greatest invitation, inviter for, for a couple reasons, but I think he was the greatest inviter of all time because he was always looking for people that no one else liked. Think about the invitations you've sent out to a wedding or maybe to play golf or even having coffee. What's the common denominator on the invitations that you've sent out over the years? They were to people that you liked. I've never invited someone to play golf with me that I didn't like. I mean, that would be like purgatory, four hours with this person in a cart. You can't escape. Listen, an invitation says that that somebody's special, and Jesus exemplified that all through the Gospels. He went out of his way to reach out and invite and make people feel special that no one else really liked. I think about the woman at Samaria in John chapter 4. As he's passing through, the disciples say, we don't need to go through Samaria. Let's, Let's go around that town, man. We know who lives there. Jesus said, no, I'm on assignment today. And the story tells us that he went to Samaria and around noon or sometime in the afternoon, he was at the well and a woman walked up and approached him and began to draw water out. Now she wasn't there because afternoon was the best time. She was there because she wasn't liked. Hear me, nobody liked her. She was avoiding the crowd of the morning well dwellers and the well people that came in the morning out of the heat. And she had to go at an inconvenient time because she was tired of getting ridiculed. And she shows up and Jesus invites her to give him some water. And they have an exchange where Jesus responds, never mind the natural water. I want to invite you to drink living water and you'll never thirst again. You should read this story because this woman's life was radically spun 
in one moment. She said, who do you think you are and who do you think I am? And he said, I know exactly who you are. You've had these relationships. The man you're living with now is not your husband. And I'm the Messiah, Jesus. I came here to set you free. The story says that she went back to town and told everybody, the Messiah's at the well. The Messiah, the one, the guy, the man, the dude. He's here. She became the greatest evangelist that Samaria had ever seen. And they came back with a group of people and he preached to them. And then guess what? They all went back into the city and turned that place upside down. What was it? It was the power of an invitation to someone who was not liked. Think about the story of uh, Zacchaeus. In in Luke chapter 19, who was a tax collector, he was a cheat, he was a fraud. People avoided him. The only time you wanted to see this guy was just to pay your taxes and get out of there. Kind of like you avoid the IRS when they call you. Is this so-and-so? No, you got the wrong number. Thank you for calling. The Bible says that Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, but he was short. Jesus loves short people. And all the short people said... I'm short. I consider myself short. I would climb a tree if I needed to because I was standing behind Pastor Mo and he was blocking the view of Jesus. It says that, it says that he heard about Jesus but knew Mo Christmas was going to be standing right in front of him. So he went down the road and he climbed up a tree so he could get a view of the Messiah, the miracle worker, the one that everybody was talking about. Part of me thinks he climbed up a tree because he didn't want to get a beat down. He didn't want to be around all those people that he'd been cheating and swindling for decades. And the Bible says that Jesus, oh, I want to read this to you. It says in Luke uh, chapter 19, verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, everybody say the spot. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Get down from there, man. I want to come to your house today. I believe, this is just my personal view, I believe there's a spot for everybody to meet Jesus. A predestined moment, a predestined set of intersection where we encounter people and on the spot we get to promote and preach Jesus to them. Come down, let me have dinner at your house. People began to freak out. He was giving this man who was hated an invitation to a better life. I like Jesus and I I like him because he sought out not only those that weren't liked, he sought out ordinary people. You know, when you think about invitations and and, and what we're going to do, you want the best of the best, right? If I'm going to play golf, I want to play golf with the the better golfers, the good golfers. I want the people that, that measure up in the book to come to our events and things. But the truth is, is Jesus picked ordinary men. In Matthew 4, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Everybody say, fishermen. Fishermen. 19, he said, come, follow me. I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, they saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father preparing their nets. And Jesus again called to them or invited them, and immediately they left their boats and their father, and they followed him. Jesus not only went after people that weren't liked, he went after common people that maybe others had passed over. 
He talked about in Luke chapter 5, we find Jesus going to another tax collector by the name of Matthew. It says this, later on, Jesus, he left the town and saw a tax collector with the usual reputation. You know it ain't good when they say that. Oh, he got that usual reputation of cheating. And what was he doing? He was sitting in his tax collection booth. His name was Levi. Jesus said, come and be one of my disciples. So he as well left everything, sprang up and went with him. I want to give you one more. Jesus went after ordinary men. Everybody say ordinary. ordinary. Normal people. It says in John 1.43, the next day Jesus decided to go back to Galilee where he found, everybody say found. He didn't bump into him. It wasn't a happenstance. He went and found Philip and told him, come with me. Jesus was the greatest inviter because he saw people for who they, not for who they were, but for who they could be. Jesus saw people for who they could be, their potential. You know, if me and you are going to follow Jesus, we have to see people differently than they see themselves. The tax collector knew that he was a jerk, a cheat, a fraud. Zacchaeus knew that. I really do believe that he climbed that tree, not just because he wanted to get a great view. He wanted to get away from those. He wanted to be around them, but not near them. See, the truth is, is we're not called to just follow Jesus. We're also called to be fishers of men. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll make you nicer. Hey, I'll help you make a better living. Hey, if you follow me, I'll, I'll make you more popular. I'll help, you, I'll help you build your brand. Hey, follow me and I'll, I'll help you do X, Y, and Z. He said, no, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. The truth is, is that's who we're called to be. We're called to do the same thing that he did. We're called to be fishers of men and help bring out the potential in people. I believe that people wanted to be around Jesus because he pointed out their potential. You ever been around somebody that talks about themselves all the time? Well, I did this and I did that. And I'm this. And didn't you know about us? And check this out. Did I tell you that story? Hey, did I ever tell you about that one time? You got those kind of friends in your life? When they come around, you avoid them, don't you? You're like, oh, snap. This is going to be a long conversation. I have a friend, his name's Joe Morris, and I love being with Joe, and people are attracted to Joe because Joe never talks about himself. He always wants to talk about those around you. Man, those are cool shoes. Man, you look great today. Hey, tell me, weren't you guys just doing such and such? Hey, I saw pictures of the kids. Tell me about the... He's always talking about me. And so whenever Joe calls, I'll pick up the phone because when I hang up with Joe, I feel better about myself. That's exactly what it was like to be around Jesus. See, people have their own insecurities. They already know they don't measure up. They already know their mistakes. They already know their reputation. They've already been told they're good for nothing. But when they were with Jesus, he began to show them their potential to say, hey, this may be what it is, but you don't have to stay that way. Every time Jesus went to a new town, it said that people came to meet him. What if that was your reputation? What if that was our reputation? The people didn't avoid us, but they, they wanted to be around us. Oh man, Lou's going to be there? I'm going to be there. When we decide to follow Jesus, we take on not only an assignment of Jesus, but the assignment now is our own. Listen to this. When, when, we decide, when we decide to follow Jesus, we're not just following Jesus, we're also fishing for men. 
Let me say it this way. Following and fishing are connected. Well, I'm not that great of a fisherman. It doesn't really matter. It comes with the territory. When you follow Jesus, he's going to teach you to be a great fisherman. Everybody can go fishing. Did you know that? I have a great friend. He's a, a friend. Uh, I served with his father. His, uh, the, his dad's a pastor, and he's a professional bass fisherman. He's sponsored. He's got a boat and rods and reels. He's got gear coming out of his ears. He's awesome. But guess what? I can get in the boat and fish too. There's evangelists in our midst today that, man, they win people to Jesus on the checkout line and market basket. And before they get the, the buggy parked in the grocery store, they've led two more people to Jesus. That's a gift. That's a calling. But guess what? It doesn't actually allow us to say, well, that's for them. That's not me. When we choose to follow Jesus, we take the responsibility to say that I also will become a fisher of men. We're not just called to follow Jesus. We're called to be fishers of men. This verse in Matthew 4, 19 says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This verse is filled with promise and purpose. He said, I will, that's on him, I will make you fishers of men. It's a promise. If you'll follow me, I will do this and what? I'll give you a purpose. You know, for most of us, what turned us on to Jesus Christ is when we encountered him and we received him in our life, we chose to follow him and he made something out of us. I don't know about your life, but that's my story. Well, I was something before, but when I encountered him, he made a promise to me that he would make me a fisher of men. He showed me my potential. When you choose to follow Jesus, guess what? There will always be fruit. When you choose to follow Christ, the people around you will be a byproduct of being caught. (laughs) I didn't say that right. Listen to this. When you choose to follow Jesus... There will be fruit that abounds to your account because with following Jesus comes catching men and women up for him. To me, this is the greatest message outside of Christ to us as a local church that this is why we exist. We've chosen to follow him and we've chosen to gather under the assignment of we're going to go out and be fishers of men. People were Jesus' priority. So let me ask you this. Should people be our priority? If people were the greatest priority on the mind of God and he sent his son to die on a cross for people, then when we respond to him and we choose to follow him, then that becomes people become our greatest calling, our greatest responsibility. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 is one of my favorite scriptures because when I was a student pastor, for many years, I didn't really know how to give a great altar call. You know, when you, when you start giving altar calls or invitations for people to receive Jesus, you usually repeat what somebody else said before you. You know what I'm saying? You go to a meeting, you hear, hear how they did it. And I remember preaching to teenagers and nobody was responding to the altar call because I was given this five-point technical thing of what's going to happen and how to do it and how to respond. And I was in the moment giving an altar call and the Lord said, just stop. Just tell them if they'll call on my name, they shall be saved. In a moment, like I, I just said, hey, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you need Jesus, all you got to say is help. Call on his name and he'll show up and he'll save you. 
I remember it was a few weeks later, I had a young man come up to me and said, hey, I gave my heart to the Lord this last week. And I said, oh, because my preaching was so awesome. He said, no, it was actually on a Tuesday evening. It was the worst day of my life. But I remembered from Sunday night when you were preaching, and you said all I had to do was call out of the name of the Lord. So I just got on my knees right there, Pastor Josh, because it was the worst day of my life. And I said, help! And Jesus showed up, and he said, I don't know what happened, but he said, I'm different. Something happened to me. Something happened to me. The scripture says that those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we need to go back a verse before, which is verse 14. And this is what it says. How can they hear unless someone tells them? How will they call upon the name of a Lord that they've never heard about until someone tells them? Let me say it to you so clearly today. And that is that everyone needs a someone. Every one of us had a someone. At some point at that spot, just like Zacchaeus, every one of us had someone that cared enough about us to tell us about somebody, someone. Every one of us needs a someone. Listen to me. Someone has to tell your neighbor. Someone has to tell that coworker. Someone has to tell your hairdresser. Why not be you? You sit in the chair for three hours anyways. Someone's got to tell the guy that changes the oil on your car. Someone's got to tell the dentist. Someone's got to tell your kid's teacher. Someone. Someone. Will you be that someone? Today my invitation to you is, will you be the someone for somebody? If everybody can call the name of the Lord, but they have to have somebody tell them that that weight is on our shoulders now. As we've chosen to follow Jesus, we can't say, I want to follow Jesus, but people just need to leave me alone. I really don't care about those people. Listen, when you have the heart of God and you've chosen to follow him, he'll change your heart. He'll give you a compassion and a passion for souls. I was thinking about this week, this, this, this week as... We're getting ready for Easter, and I want you to help, help us invite the lost, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. And I thought, I, I remember when a pastor got up and had a message like this, and, and I chickened out. I remember being an opportune moment, just as you have, where you're talking to somebody, and there's a relationship there. In that moment, you feel like, man, this is the perfect timing, and, and all of a sudden, you get nervous. You're like, oh, do I, do I tell them now? Do I, do I invite them now? Is, is this the moment? And, and for me... I would get so overwhelmed that I would talk myself out of it. So I was thinking this week, like, when, when those opportunities showed up, why did I step down? Why did I back down? For me, the, the greatest reason that I didn't invite somebody was because I know myself too well. I know my past. I know the things that I've done, and I know the things that have been done to me. And in a moment's time where I'm about to present the gospel, the enemy would tell me, you're not good enough to share the gospel. Because of X, Y, or Z. And I would begin to rationalize later on, well, maybe that wasn't the moment. Let me say this to you as boldly as I can. Don't let your past keep you from securing someone else's future. Every one of us have a past. But that's what it is. It's our past. 
And everybody else deserves a future like we have right now. Don't let your past, don't let the enemy, don't let condemnation keep you from inviting somebody on Easter Sunday. Because here's the thing, they want to come, they just haven't been invited. Truth is, is you have a story to help somebody else. Your story's important. Every one of us arrived in a relationship with Jesus at a different spot, a different time, probably a different location. But your story is so important. A lot of times we downplay our story. Well, my story's not that big of a deal. I, I didn't have that crazy life. I, I, I. Listen, your story's important because those people know you, not me. Your story was given to you and you walked that life for a reason to, to influence those that God has placed within your sphere of influence. It's your story and they need to hear it. Truth is, is you're hurt. And your pain can be the deliverance for somebody else in this moment. I've been through too much, Pastor. I know, but you're not there anymore. You're on the other side of it. And so what if you were to meet somebody who is where you used to be? Your story will impact them. Number two, the reason that I didn't share my faith as much as I should when opportunities arose, I backed down, is because I was afraid I didn't have all the answers. Right? Right? Well, if I tell them about Jesus and then they ask me about X, Y, or Z, I don't have the answer and I'm going to look foolish. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. Just point them back to Jesus. Hey, just be honest up front. I want you to come with me. I want you to meet this Jesus. And then they, they come back with some crazy question, you know, like, when's the Ezekiel 38 war going to happen? And will it be Russia coming down on the Jews? I, I have no idea. You'll have to meet with Pastor Tom and ask that. I just want to point you back to Jesus. It happens. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. Where you want to invite somebody, you want to tell them, and then they ask you a crazy question, and you're like, hey, you know what? Never mind. Why? Because we don't have all the answers. I want to free you today. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is point them to Jesus. It's very simple to say, you know what, I, I don't know that, but I, I know Jesus, and, and he has the answers, and if you come to church, I'll connect you with one of the pastors, and maybe they can help you. I, I just want to invite you. You don't have to know it all. Just continue to point them to Jesus. Listen, Jesus asked us to be his witnesses, not his attorney. About fell off the stage there. Listen, he's asked you to be a witness, not his attorney. You don't need to defend him. All you got to do is answer questions. And if you don't have the questions, say, I plead the fifth. I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> but you should come meet Jesus. So many people don't want to invite because they think they have to defend. Let me say this to you as kindly as I can. You could never defend him. He needs no defender. He is the great defender. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There's nothing you could say or do. It's all about him. So just point people to him. It's okay to say, I don't know, but if you meet Jesus, I can point you to the answer. 1 John 5, listen, your story is important. We just take a second here. Your story is really simple, okay? Oh, no, my story is very complicated. I hear this all the time. My, my testimony it would take a long time. No, 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 hold on. Back up. It's not that complicated. It's you before Jesus, you meeting Jesus, and you after Jesus. It's a three-step process. Here's how to tell your story. This is free, by the way. Write this down. This is how you tell your story. You tell them what your life was like before Jesus 
I was messed up, man. I was jacked up doing this, doing that, caught up in this. And, and that was my life before. And then I met Jesus. That's point two. I came into a spot. Someone invited me and I met him. And then point three is, and this is what my life is like after Jesus. I wouldn't know how to evangelize. I wouldn't know how to invite somebody. What was your life like before? Tell them about it. Give them a picture of it. Tell them how you met him. And then testify about who he is in your life now and how much it's changed. 1 John chapter 5. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. And he that believes not God hath made himself a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. What is he saying? When you receive Christ, you receive the story. When you accepted to follow Jesus, you have a testimony. Truth is, is we just need to be better come and see kind of people. Listen to this. Let me skip down here for a second. John chapter 1. Listen to this, and I'll close here in just a second. Jesus found Philip. We talked about that a few minutes ago, right? Jesus went and found Philip, and then it says, then Philip went to look for Nathaniel. When you invite somebody and they get saved and they invite somebody, all of a sudden, man, there becomes this trickle effect where Jesus spreads like wildfire. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, hey, we found the, the person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. His response, Nazareth? Are you serious? Can anything good come from this Nazareth? Philip said, dude. Just come and see. Just come and see. For so many of us, we get all caught up in stories and how to do it and this and that. I, can I, I just again try to free your mind and your heart a little bit today? Take some of the pressure off. People will say, well, I don't know about that church. I've been burning church. Dude, that's totally cool. That's not this church. Just come and see. Well, I have kids. I, you know, I don't know about the kids. Listen, we got a great kids program. Just, just come and see. Yeah, but I got a lot of baggage. I've been hurt. I've got pain. Hey, listen, I understand that. Bring it all with you. Load it up. Load it up and we'll unload it there, but just, just come and see. You ever eat somewhere awesome? You ever, you ever eat like some amazing food? Like David bought me this chocolate cake a few months ago. The thing weighed like 14 pounds. I felt like it should have come with one of those back braces when you carry it so you don't throw your back out. I mean, this was like dense chocolate cake. When you cut it, it was like, it was like turn it sideways on the plate kind of cake. It was so moist, it had like 10 kinds of chocolate. Listen, I've been talking about that chocolate cake since the day he gave it to me. It did something for me. I said it did something for me in my soul. Casey's mom made me some egg rolls yesterday, and I was, I was telling somebody last night, I said, did you have dinner? I said, oh my gosh, these, these egg rolls, these, these spring rolls that she made, like they were the bomb. I can't wait to get home and eat the rest of them today after church. They're so good. <laughs> Listen, that's, that's how this is with Jesus. When you've tasted and seen, it shouldn't be difficult to say, dude, let me tell you about this thing. Let me tell you about what happened in my life. You're going to want some. You need some. Just as I was talking about the cake or the spring rolls, man, this should be the life of a believer, that we live a testimony, that we're constantly telling about the goodness of our Savior. Yes. It's in us. Something unique happens when you go fishing and you catch something. I grew up fishing. I grew up on the Gulf Coast. 
And, and I, I was thinking about this today because it's kind of wild. Why do fishermen take pictures with the fish? Because they're proud of that stinking fish. Honey, take a picture. We're going to need this. The kids are going to want to see this. Take a picture. And you got, you know, you got your bass. Ah. Ray knows what I'm talking about. You, got, you get this big catch. Thing, you finally reeled it in. You're like, take a picture of it. This is amazing. It's the same joy that happens with the believer when someone that they invited comes and all of a sudden you look over during worship and they're in tears. And when the altar call happens, the response time, and we give the invitation, and you look over out of your corner, you're like, oh, no, no, no. but they got their hands up and they're like, me. oh man, I'm so pumped. Like, this is what I'm all about. Like, it brings joy. Let me tell you something. There's no greater joy than catching somebody up in a relationship with Christ. There's no greater joy. Let's go fishing together. This is my final point. Let's go fishing together over the next few weeks. Our creative team built this amazing lobster shack looking thing in the foyer that you saw it when you came in there. And there's a net hanging on there. And, and, and outside you can pick up these little cards. And I want to ask you today before you leave, would you, would you stop and write the name of that person that you've been thinking about all during this message? Because there's not a person in here that's not visualized somebody's face or thought about somebody's name or that spot that you run into them every day that needs to be here on Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection and enter a life that they don't even know about with Jesus Christ. These are not for us to to count. These are for us to pray over. My commitment to you, our staff, and our team is if you'll go write somebody's name down that you're believing God to invite For the next four weeks, we're going to pray over them. Every time we walk by that wall, we're going to lay hands on them. We're going to call those names out. Thank you, Father, for Bob and Tim and the Jones family and the Elliott family. We're going to to pray for your friends and your co-workers that, that they would come and have open hearts to receive. On Easter Sunday, the second tool that I want to give you today is an invitation card. Because some of us, we feel like we need some way to connect with them, so we've made it easy. There's the date on there. So I want to invite you. Well, when is it? I, I, um, don't remember. It's right there. April 17th. Three services. Take some cards. Listen, I would just say this to you. Don't just take one card. I mean, take, take a few cards and ask the Holy Spirit this week for the spot where you might meet your Zacchaeus. Now remember, it may not be the person that you like. It may be the person that needs Jesus. So those cards are out there. And then the third tool I want to invite you to is a few weeks back, we went through a, um, a Bible reading plan and we did a devotional together on the YouVersion app. And so we're going to start a brand new one tomorrow as a church. It's, it's our way of helping equip you. It's called Real. And for the next 28 days leading up to Easter Sunday, every day you can log into the app and it'll give you a devotional about how to share your faith. It's going to give you some tools on how to be more bold and tell your story. The whole goal of today and the next three weeks is to fire you up, to fill you up, and to get you in a place where you understand, not only am I excited about this, but this is my responsibility. I'm a follower of Christ, and now I want to be a fisher of men. I want to read you three statistics, and then I'll pray for you. 83% of people in this room came today because somebody invited them. Maybe not an invitation today, but it's sometime. 83% of believers came to church because somebody invited them. The Billy Graham Association says the average Christian, and that's not you, you guys aren't average Christians. 
we're above average because he says that you know seven unbelievers. The average Christian knows seven people who don't know Jesus yet. They're at your workplace. They're at your school. They live on your street. And here's the crazy thing. 82% of those people that don't know Jesus, they, statistics say they will come to church if they get a... If someone would invite them, stand to your feet with me. I want us to take just one moment, just here before we close. I love that statistic. 82% of people said they would come. So guess what? Those are pretty great odds. I'll just say, I didn't say this in the first service. I'm believing for 1,800 people to be in our house on Easter Sunday. And my prayer is that a hundred of your friends and your family would make decisions for Christ. It's not about, it's not about a number. Someone say, well, I, I, maybe you shouldn't have said that. I don't care what you think. I'm setting my faith in motion. I, I want a hundred people to receive Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday. Oh, he's all about numbers. Uh, yeah, that, that number is my neighbor. And that number has a name. That, that number has a name and that's your family member. It's that person that, that God placed in your path that if you tell them, they'll come. I want to extend the invitation of having the most joyous Easter you've ever had. And it has nothing to do with Easter eggs, although I love Easter eggs. It has nothing to do with candy and ham and food. I love all that. Easter is about people. I said Easter is about people recognizing that Jesus is alive. Yes. He has a plan for their life. So I'm asking you, I'm actually inviting you. Come with me on this journey for the next few weeks. I pray you were challenged today. I, I pray that God's laid somebody on your heart, showed you a face, and showed you a name of somebody that needs to be here and meet Jesus, the center of our life. But before we go, maybe you're here today and you were invited. And maybe you came on your own and maybe you're not even sure why you're here. But after hearing this message, you say, man, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want a fresh start. I want a new, I want a new me. The Bible says what I preached at the very beginning, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from you. Saved from the enemy. Saved from disaster. Saved from destruction. And with that salvation comes a guaranteed eternity spent with Jesus Christ in heaven when you leave this earth. I realize that every week we come, there's people that are seeking. I want to take this moment. If you're here today and you say, hey, pray for me. I need that. My promise to you is I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front or go in some back room. I just want you to acknowledge that you need Jesus so I can pray for you. On the count of three, if you need Jesus, just put your hand up and put it right back down. One, two, three. Put your hands up. If you need Jesus, yes, ma'am, right here, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, yes, yes. I see you all the way in the back. Anybody else want to join these few? Say, count me in, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life. I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. Maybe you're online and just right there in the chat, just raise your hand and say, I need that. I, I want to pray. Someone pray with me. It's the greatest invitation that will ever be given to you as long as you walk this earth, and that is to, to meet Jesus for yourself just another moment. Anybody else say, hey, count me in. I want that. Just put your hand up. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Got you. I got you. Yes, ma'am. I got you all the way in the back. Yes, yes, yes. 
Oh man, this makes me happy today. Final call, anybody else from the right all the way to the left say, count me in, yes sir, yes sir, got you. Oh man, would you look at me? This is what it's all about. This moment right here where people are making decisions. So whether you raised your hand and and this will be the first time you've prayed this prayer, I want you just to pray it out of your heart or maybe you've come to church here and you say this prayer every week with us, I'm cool with that too. Can we say this as a family? Let's, Let's welcome those and let's cheer them on. Those that are praying this for the very first time out loud, say, Dear Heavenly Father, help. I need your help today. I need you to save me. I believe that Jesus, your son, he died for me. Paid the price for me. Paid the price for my sin. You raised him from the dead by your Holy Spirit so that I, right now, in this spot, could be reconnected to God my Father, the Creator. One more, say, today I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I love you so much.